I can never interrupt Taylor, so I never do. But if you, if you haven't hosted with me, then you don't know that. I, gosh, I, I just love Taylor. Is that right? Yeah, I really do. Oh, my God. Uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, but yes, so I can never interrupt her. But anyway, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to The Orthopedic Show. It is a Monday night in New York. I'm your host, Dr. Cordelia Carter, Dr. Coco Carter, to some of you. Uh, and I'm here in studio with my awesome co-host, Dr. Stephen Yang. We're live from NYU Langone Health. If you want to join in on conversation sometime tonight, we'd love to have you. Please give us a call at 877-NYU-DOCS or you can send us an email at docs, D-O-C-S, at SiriusXM.com. And wow, our first 30 minutes just flew by and That's we are, I really did, I know. Um, and so gosh, we're really excited to welcome our first guest. So our first guest is Dr. Kelly Davis. She is a board certified orthopedist in pediatrics and sports medicine. She works at the Children's Hospital of Orange County Orthopedic Institute, which is part of the Children's Healthcare System in Orange, California. Dr. Davis, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Well, let's see. We'll start out. Uh, we're, we're a pretty friendly show, so we can start out with a softball. Why don't you uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and, and why you chose pediatrics and sports medicine. Yeah, so um, I always was drawn to kids throughout medical school and uh, knew that pediatrics was sort of my calling and then got introduced to sports medicine kind of on accident. And being an athlete my whole life, it just was a perfect fit. And the more I did, the more I loved it. And here I am. What was your sport? I played soccer, but I have recently retired to tennis. My knees don't hold up for soccer anymore. <laughs> Although tennis is kind of rough on the knees, too. Congratulations, I though. Played That's great. You know, half court, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cordelia, it sounds kind of like she sounds kind of like she's. I know. I think we're going to have to be. Yeah, we're going to be friends yeah. actually after this, so, yeah. uh, for sure. I'm going to. We have to recruit her into some of our in, into the, <laughs> into some of our. If if she, you may already be a member of some of the societies for Pete Sports Medicine, but if not. Uh, you will be soon after this show. Um, well, let's see. Somebody's, let, let's we can talk about basic fractures. Why don't we actually talk about sports fractures or what kind of you know we were just talking earlier in the show about some of the sports injuries that we've been seeing, and this time of year it seems to be some of the overuse injuries like stress fracture more so than the the ACLs and and concussions. Is that what your experience on the West Coast too, or what's the what's the pattern at this at this time in the in the season? Yeah, I'm kind of, fall is usually my busiest time of year, so I'm getting an interesting mix of everything, and I think coming out of the pandemic, these kids are in an interesting place of kind of too much too fast, and so um, I'm getting both a lot of, like, acute injuries because I think they're going back and they're deconditioned, as well as they're going back and they're now six days a week and the stress-related and um, those type of fractures as well. I've seen a surprising number of stress fractures in in sort of casual runners, actually, not even not even like the cross country or the cross country track track you know trifectas. But um, I, I think you know for a long time I don't think that we believed kids could be deconditioned. Right, you're just a kid. Yeah. Like life, life was sport. Yeah. You pick you up and play. You right? didn't have to train for life. But I think <laughs> um, I, I I think it is such a unique time. Well, and and while. 
we necess- that we weren't necessarily preparing our bodies for sport over the last uh, year and a half. It didn't change the expectations of sport once we went back. And that's, you know, that's something else that's been that's been changing, too, is, is kids specialize more and more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, 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 Kelly, we were talking a little bit about that, about the deconditioning that these kids may have experienced, uh, like all, all athletes, um, because of COVID. Um, but, but, you know, this also brings up, uh, you know, a whole host of uh, other issues about, uh, you know, specialization in sports at an early age and, and not having downtimes, you know, year-round without, you know, year-round sports and not having the uh, cross-training that uh, a lot of kids used to have, you know, playing a number mm-hmm. of different sports. Um, do, do you, do you uh, have a strong opinion about, uh, about things like that? Yeah, at one of uh, the national conferences I went to, uh, one of the speakers described it as physical literacy, and that term really stuck with me. And I think um, that's what a lot of these kids are lacking these days is physical literacy. So they can do one set of specialized tasks, but when you kind of look at their overall, you know, athletic composition and their muscles, they're very poor at quite a bit of other things that are outside of their um, realm. And that's what really, in my opinion, what kind of sets them up for these injuries is just this inability to change or, you know, have their bodies adapt to different motions because they're only used to one very specialized, specific pattern of movement. I think that's, I, I love that term, physical literacy. And I, because I'll tell you, I incorporated into my exam for every kid in the office, I have them skip. Um, and honestly, a good 40% of kids don't know how to skip. And but part of it, because well, because physical literacy also, I mean, is, is about being is about physical education, right. right? And so, and how we do physical education has changed so much. And I think so many parents just assume that skipping is one of those things like like walking that kind of happens. But you, you actually have to acquire it as a skill. Um, <laughs> That's such right. a funny thing. I, I, I kind of assume every kid knows how to skip. No, like, start asking. Yeah, it's, but so, but I think, but the, it's to your point about. Um, you know, we, we have to actually, t- we have to learn how to move our bodies. And so if you play soccer, you know, year-round from an early age, you get really good at kicking a ball, but yeah. maybe you're not so good at throwing it. Or maybe, right, or maybe you're not so good at, at, at something that would then translate into a different sport. Right. Um, and that sets you up then potentially uh, potentially for injuries. Uh, Dr. Davis, we, we, I forgot, we actually did ask you here to talk about elbow fractures. Um <laughs> So let's see, get, want to give us a rundown on some of the most common elbow fractures that we see in kids? Yeah, I think my the two most common that come to mind when I see them are monkey bars and like skateboard slash scooters, I think are by far and away the most common um, like fall injuries that cause elbow fractures that I see. And then, in, you know, the acute injury with sport, it's definitely baseball. Yeah, I um, well, gosh, you must not have a lot of trampoline parks where you are. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how could I forget trampoline? <laughs> Sky zone. <laughs> I always, if we were smart, we would have opened franchises. <laughs> exactly. Put our cards at the front of the door. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> But what about the, what about scooters? I mean, uh, you know, there's such a prevalence now of these motorized scooters moving at really high speeds. Uh, I'm I'm actually you know kind of curious that there aren't even more injuries than we're seeing. I mean, we see plenty of them, but um, those motorized scooters I think are, are are really like a setup for some significant injuries: elbow injury, upper extremity injuries, all different kinds of fractures. Um, but what's your thought on that? I mean, they move awfully fast. Agreed. Yeah, and I think um, what I'm seeing from those is the level of injury is higher. So, you know, the because they're, you know, not just falling with their own push force, they're now having an engine behind it. 
And so the the level of trauma that they're getting is just so much more significant with those and the e-bikes as well. Mm. I was going to say, I just learned that term. I, um, we looked at a study a couple weeks ago on the show about it's like micro mobility uh, products, right, which is the e-bikes, the scooters, um, all of those things that are motorized. And I think, um, you know, you, you hear the word bicycle or scooter and you think to yourself it's pretty innocuous, right? It's like the thing you always used in your in your cul-de-sac behind the house. But, um, but yeah, you add a little bit of uh, horsepower and all of a sudden you're moving at a fast rate and when and when you you know if and when you fall you're falling with a significant amount of force. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about uh, out in Southern California, but around around here in New York City, um, you know, it's complicated by the fact that we have you know a ton of traffic and a lot of uh, you know sort of reckless driving going on, and we do have bicycle lanes in them. But but I'm kind of curious uh, whether or not these motorized like e-bikes and scooters ought to be in those lanes too because you have you know, like bicyclists uh, who are human power that are human powered moving at a certain speed and then they're zipping by um, it's hard even for pedestrians to predict you know mm -hmm. what vehicle is coming at what speed when you're trying to cross these um, streets too so gosh I, I feel like it's it's a, it's a setup for lots of injuries and I, I I'm not sure what the liability of all this is either uh, but you know city bikes there 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 are uh, e-bikes you know city bikes um, so mm -hmm. there's more and more of these um, vehicles moving at a high rate of speed uh, with very little protection for you know for for the riders um, or, or the pedestrians honestly yeah. there's been some pretty widely publicized um, you know fatalities actually yeah. to pedestrians with with e-scooters and that kind of thing yeah. well while we went dark here I know, uh, I know. Dr. Jeez. Davis I know um, <laughs> <laughs> let's figure it out I was going to say let's talk about monkey bars again uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, half our listeners just tuned out Wow, that is too depressing. I think, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was thinking uh, when you mentioned baseball. When I, when I, I mean, why don't you want to give us a review, maybe of some of some common baseball injuries that we see in kids? Because and I, you can go, you can go from the like little leaguers to the to the acute traumatic, you know, apostille avulsion. But I, I think uh, it's such an interesting. Pediatric elbows are very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they have so many growth plates. They definitely are a little more complicated than some of your other joints. Um, yeah, I think, you know, being in Southern California, we are definitely a hotbed for baseball. Um, I trained at Vanderbilt, and so baseball was big there. And I got here, and I was like, oh, I know about baseball. And just the number of kids I see is way more than I was anticipating. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, from, like, yeah, the medial epicondyle apophysitis with little league elbow, and I've seen, you know, avulsion fractures of the medial epicondyle, and I've seen some um, traction, like, olecranon uh, fractures from just acute throwing injuries. It's pretty remarkable how much torque and power they're putting on these poor little elbows that just have growth plates that can't keep up. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I always explain it to patients, so the growth plates made of cartilage is kind of the weakest link in the chain. And so kids, unlike adults, you know, if they're if they're uh, throwing, or especially, again, as they're, like, sort of hitting puberty, starting to be able to really generate a lot of force using their muscles across these, across these growth plates, then all of a sudden we can start to see growth plate injuries that can range from just inflammation, right, repetitive overuse, and that's your, your traditional little leaguer's elbow. But then all of a sudden they throw and they hear a pop, and all of a 
sudden, right? They have a fracture yeah. just from a throw. Hard to believe, right? It is. Yeah. I mean, it is kind mm -hmm. of um, kind of unbelievable. But this is to me also baseball is a really nice example of a sport that specialize. You know, where kids specialize really early. They do baseball year round. Yeah. Um, and not getting the off season. You know, right. some of the stuff you you think might heal a little bit if they had some off season. But like these kids are playing year round. You know, yeah. Same sport, yeah, throwing. I try to tell them, like, hey, you know, what are these, like, MLB guys doing in the offseason? They're not playing baseball. They're, you know, they're golfing. Yeah, they're golfing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You guys are playing more than even these professionals are, and that's not good for your bodies. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, th I think parents don't think about fractures as being an overuse type problem that you could actually break your bone or, you know, through the cartilage at least. Um, but these are, you know, big injuries, and uh, I think kids are getting stronger too, you know. Uh, the training is more intense. Um you know they're exerting tremendous amount of force uh, on their arms. So yeah, I think it's, it's got it, it, it's got to be watched somehow. I don't know, Kelly. Do you, what's the what's the solution to this? Because I think there's a huge amount of pressure on families um, to, to you know to get their kids at a high level of proficiency. You know, helps them get into colleges of their choice. I mean, like the whole thing. It's kind of ramped up, right? Yeah, it's, I think definitely it's turned into a business of sorts, unfortunately, and so um, you know it's the adults are getting paid, and it becomes a lot more about them than it does about the kids. And yeah, there's so much pressure these days about college scholarships and getting onto a high school team and all that thing. I try to, you know, remind the parents that number of kids who are going to get college scholarships is a very small percentage. And so thank you. yes. I wanted you to disabuse him of that. That's exactly, yeah. The numbers are yeah. very low. I think, I think it's somewhat like 1% of these kids are going to get college scholarships. So, And I just try to remind them that, you know, sports is about a lifelong commitment to health and, you know, physical education. And so it should be more about fun and teaching them how to enjoy being outside and doing something in movement rather than, okay, you're going to be a professional 10 years down the road. Right, right. Yeah, it's supposed to be joyful, right? It's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when we start to see not just overuse injuries, but burnout in yeah. kids. And then we see sport attrition, right? And then kids kids stop playing because it stops being fun. It, yeah. st it starts feeling more more like a job. Right. Uh, one of the other things I often talk about with kids in baseball, though, is you know if, if the kids are really emulating the MLB players, then they want to be emulating how they throw, too, which is all that power is coming from their legs and core, right? And that's the thing. If you watch a little league a little leaguer throw, uh, he or she is usually trying to get all the force through the arm, the arm and shoulder. And mm -hmm. so it's, you know, you'd much rather have pay attention to really good technique and form and have sort of fewer throws than just a, a bunch of junk throws that are just going to throw your arm out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because all of my kids who come in with elbow pains from do I look at their shoulders, we check their motion in their shoulder, we check their shoulder blade mobility, and then I have them, just like your skip test, I have them do a single leg squat. And it's pretty remarkable how many of them have truly poor trunk control and can't do a single leg squat. And that's why I tell them, I say, hey, you know, your elbow's the downstream problem of all of these upstream issues because you have such poor shoulder control and you have such hip, you know, weak glutes and hips. That's where it's coming from. Agreed. Yeah. Everybody should do yoga. <laughs> I, I tell them that it's so funny that you say that because I, I tell, tell them, them that. that. <laughs> Listen, when I was a kid, I would have looked back at the doc and been like, 
get out of here. Yeah, six five high school football players. I'm yeah. like, do yoga. They're like, yeah. no. Oh my yeah. God. I, I used to I used to mock people mercilessly for doing yoga, and now yeah. my wife and I are really converts to yoga. Yeah, for so no, many I'm, a, I'm, a, exactly, I'm a convert too. But honestly, for for runners, actually, for so many of these sports, it is a perfect complement, and it's a perfect thing to do on the day off. Right? Works its flexibility, its core strength, it's all that stuff. Exactly. Yep, it's the biggest. It works on all these kids' major deficits, and you you nailed it. It's the core strength and the flexibility that they're really lacking. What, uh, Dr. Davis, in our last minute or so, what um, it, would you, what message do you have for for kids and parents in terms of sport participation that you that you try to make sure you tell everybody? Um, I think my biggest thing, and you know, as a mom of kids who are just starting into the sport world, it's make sure your kids are having fun. You know, that's really the biggest emphasis. Is this should be about learning new skills and meeting new friends and movement um, and just having a good time. It shouldn't be about playing one sport and, you know, trying to make the best club team at the age of 10 or, you know, throwing the fastest pitch. I tell parents, put away your speed guns. Just go out there and have a good time and let your kid enjoy the sport for what it is, you know. I love it. Yeah. Great message. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Having fun, man. You got kids have to have fun. I mean, if it's not fun, then geez, you shouldn't be doing it, you know. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, super. It's been uh got we it was abbreviated because we uh we got so we got so focused on uh, talking about other stuff, but it was so nice to have you on the show. Hopefully we'll have you back again soon. Uh we've been speaking with Dr. Kelly Davis. Dr. Davis is a board certified orthopedist specializing in pediatrics and sports medicine. She works at the Children's Hospital Orange County Orthopedic Institute, uh part of the Children's Healthcare System in Orange, California. We've been talking about pediatrics and sports and sports specialization and fractures and trampolines and e-bikes. Uh, <laughs> a lot of ground we covered. We covered a lot of ground. <laughs> Dr. Davis, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.